Good morning and welcome to Organic Matters here on KVLF every Saturday morning, 9 to 10 o'clock. Let's start out with a little news that's going to affect us all, so we have to learn about it. The EPA proposes phasing out gases right now that are used in our refrigerators and our air conditioning units. In the first Biden administration rule aimed at combating climate change, the Environmental Protection Agency is proposing to phase down production and use of hydrofluorocarbons, highly, highly potent, greenhouse gases commonly used in refrigerators and air conditioners. The proposed rule follows through on a law Congress passed in December authorizing a 15-year phase-out of HFCs. The new rule is intended to decrease the U.S. production and use of the gases by 85% over the next 15 years, part of a global phase-out intended to slow climate change. HFCs are considered a major driver of global warming and are being targeted worldwide. President Joe Biden has pledged to embrace a 2016 global agreement to reduce the HFCs. With this proposal, EPA is taking another significant step under President Biden's ambitious agenda to address the climate crisis. EPA Administrator Michael Regan said in a statement Monday, By phasing down HFCs, which can be hundreds to thousands of times more powerful than carbon dioxide at warming the planet, EPA is taking a major action to help keep global temperature rise in check. The phase-down of HFCs is actually widely supported by the business community, Regan said, and will help promote American leadership in innovation and manufacturing of new climate-safe products. Put simply, this action is good for our planet and good for our economy. A huge pandemic relief and spending bill passed by Congress directs the EPA to sharply reduce production and use of HFCs. The measure won wide support in both parties and was hailed as the most significant climate change law, at least in the last eight or ten years. Besides targeting HFCs, the so-called American Innovation and Manufacturing, or AIM, AIM, Act also promotes technologies to capture and store carbon dioxide produced by power and manufacturing plants and calls for reductions in diesel emissions by buses and other vehicles. Delaware Senator Tom Carper, a Democrat who chairs the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee, praised the EPA rule and said the United States was joining the rest of the world in reducing the use of HFCs, helping to avoid the worst effects of global warming. This act has been worked on for years, and passing the AIM Act was a monumentous climate achievement that will help save our planet, and today we are one step closer to its benefits being a real reality, Carper said. The EPA estimates the proposed rule would save nearly $284 billion over the next three decades and prevent the equivalent of 187 million metric tons hard to grasp, folks, of carbon dioxide emissions, roughly equal to the annual greenhouse gas emissions from one of every seven vehicles registered in the whole country. Biden issued an executive order in January that embraces the so-called Kingali Amendment to the Montreal Protocol and directs the State Department to submit it to the Senate for formal ratification. The amendment phases down HFCs globally. 
probably pretty good news facts for us. It's a little slow. You can't do this fast. We've got millions of air conditioners and, and millions of refrigerators that will have to be phased out over time. Uh, that's also as a matter of economy. But the good news is the newer up-to-date refrigerants they're making are actually far more efficient. So in the long run, it'll more than pay for itself over time. So while we're on the weather, which kind of fits into this uh, segue, let's call it, America's new normal temperature is actually about a degree or a little more hotter than it was just two decades ago. Scientists have long talked about climate change, hotter temperatures, changes in rain and snowfall, and more extreme weather being that's what we're, what we're calling the new normal. Data released Tuesday by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration put hard figures on what we used to just call a cliché. The new United States normal is not just hotter, but wetter in the eastern and central parts of the nation and considerably drier in the western than just a decade earlier. We know what that's all about. Meteorologists calculate climate normals based on 30 years of data to limit the random swings of regular daily weather. And that's something everybody gets confused. Climate and weather are two different things, folks. We've had some extreme weather. That's part of the climate. But climate is the big picture, let's call it. Climate itself is actually based on a standard set by the World Meteorological Organization. Every 10 years or so, NOAA updates normal for the country as a whole states and cities by year, month, and season. For the entire nation, the yearly normal temperature is now 53.3 degrees. That's based on weather station data from 1991 all the way to 2020. Nearly half a degree warmer than just a decade ago. 20 years ago, normal was 52.3, so one whole degree based on data, again, all the way back to 71 to the year 2000. The average U.S. temperature for the 20th century was just 52 degrees. The new normal annual is a temperature rise of 1.7 degrees hotter than the first normal calculated back when we first started what we called reliable calculations in the early 1900s. Virtually every place in the United States has warmed from 1981 to the year 2010. For example, strangely, Charlottesville, Virginia, saw the biggest jump in normal temperatures among about 740 major weather stations that are monitored on a regular basis. Other large changes were in California, here in Texas, Indiana, Arizona, Oregon, Arkansas, Maryland, Florida, North Carolina, and even Alaska. New normals are warmer because the burning of fossil fuels is making the last decade a much hotter time period for much of the globe than decades in the past. That's according to Cornell University climate scientist Natalie Mahawald. Here's where we get into the difference of what we used to call global warming, and now we're using the word climate change. Phoenix, for instance, the biggest change in normal came in precipitation. The normal annual rainfall over these years in Phoenix has dropped 10% down to about 7.2 inches for the whole year. Rainfall in Los Angeles dropped 4.6%. Well, at the same time, Asheville, North Carolina, saw a nearly almost 10% in increased rainfall. While well, New York City's rainfall rose 6%, Seattle's normal is 5% wetter than it used to be, and that's just part of the cities. And this goes, we're drier, especially South Texas and parts of West Texas, 
are definitely drying out over time, and we're just going to have to learn to deal with it. That was sort of a fun fact. It'll soon be heading our way, but we're, uh, we usually drag behind this. This is sort of a, uh, I'm going to call it a little organiac. That's what I call myself. Uh, sort of an organiac news brief. Dried yellow mealworms will soon be hitting supermarket shelves and restaurants all across Europe. The European Union's 27 nations gave the green light Tuesday to a proposal to put Tenebrio molitor, beetle larva, mealworms, <laughs> on the market as a healthy, novel food. The move came after the EU's Food Safety Agency published a scientific opinion that concluded worms are absolutely safe to eat and nutritious. Researchers said the worms, either eaten whole or in powdered form, are a protein-rich snack and can be used as an ingredient in many other foods. Allergic reactions may occur for people with pre-existing allergies to crustaceans. That's been going on for years. And, of course, there may even be a problem with dust mites, as there is with some of our uh, powdered foods now. Insects for food represent a very small market, but EU officials said breeding them for food could have environmental benefits. The United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization calls insects a healthy and highly nutritious food source. And as it says here, of course, we're going to be a little slower. We, we're not quite as aggressive about this stuff as other parts of the world, but you're going to see them. I've already found a number of places you can buy um, baked crickets. And many years ago, when I was in Ecuador, a regular little snack for the kids were a box of chocolate-covered ants. So it's coming our way. It's just a matter of time. To try to settle this portion of uh, sort of my businessy end of organic matters, something else we at least ought to be aware of. Uh, you probably are, but I didn't. Diapers, cereal, and yeah, of course... Toilet paper are definitely going to be more expensive in the next few weeks. And Kimberly Clark said that in March, uh, it will raise prices on Scott toilet paper. Huggies and pull-ups in June. A move they said necessary to help offset significant commodity cost inflation. General Mills, which makes cereal brands, including Cheerios, is facing increased supply chain and freight cost in this higher demand environment, according to the chief financial officer, Kofi Bruce. And Coca-Cola has warned that it's going to raise prices on many of its products as costs rise for raw materials. In addition, Hormel Foods has already increased its prices for its Skippy peanut butter and all of their turkey products. I find that kind of weird. In general, plastic, paper, sugar, grain, and other commodities are going to get more expensive as demand is now outpacing supply. Companies are also paying more for shipping as fuel costs rise, and ports experience longer delays because of all the congestion, mostly due to the pandemic confusion. To kind of put a picture on the overall image so you'll get a grip, because all of us are going to suffer from this. The Consumer Price Index, that's the measure of the average change in prices in the United States for shoppers for consumer goods. It increased 0.6% in March. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but it's the largest rise since August of 2012, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So, in general, 
That just means we're going to pay more money for everything. It goes up 1% here, 2% there, but it ends up costing you a good percentage of your real usable income, especially if people are on a limited income or still not back to full-time employment. So when we get back after these commercial breaks, we'll certainly get on a little bit of a lighter subject. But thanks for staying tuned here every Saturday morning, 9 to 10 o'clock here on KBLF and back after this with more of the show. 